God says that he works all things together for good. Is that something real? Is that something true that we can believe? Or is it a whimsical notion with no real substance to it? And what is good anyway? When we say good, like we use good for all sorts of things. It seems like a bit of a junk drawer term. I hope you know what I mean by that. We have a junk drawer in our house. It's the drawer where everything goes to die, right? You just throw stuff in and it's a mess. And I think this word good is used to cover so many things. We say that the food was good or the weather was good or the movie was good. We enjoy having a good holiday or a good rest or a good time with friends. And somebody asks us, hey, how are you doing? We say, well, I'm good. And yet the problem is the Bible tells us that God is good. Psalms 34 verse 8 says, taste and see that the Lord is good. And I fear that this character trait of God, the fact that he is good, is diminished by our overuse of the term good. This overuse has cheapened two things. It's cheapened our understanding of the value of the goodness of God, of this attribute of God. And it's also cheapened our joy and belief in the promise that God doesn't, isn't just good himself, but promises good to us. And so my hope is that as we look at this idea that God is good and promises good to us, that this would be a little bit like us digging some treasure out of the dirt. And as we get that treasure out of the dirt, we'd be able to polish it back to some of its former glory. May we see more clearly as we think about this, the glory of what it means that God is good and that he promises good to us. Now, when I say promise, what I'm speaking to is a very famous sentence in the Bible. There's many famous passages in the Bible, different ones that we may quote or remember. And one of those is found in the book of Romans in the New Testament. So I'm going to invite you to turn there with me. Romans chapter 8 and verse 28 is where we're going. And I'd encourage you, have a real Bible, read this in front of you. Sometimes just the act of actually reading something rather than just listening to me say it can be good for us. It helps us to see new things, to understand new things. Romans 8 verse 28 says this, And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to His purpose. It's an exciting prospect to think that maybe, perhaps, what God is saying here is true, that he can pull all things in our lives. He can pull all the strings of our lives together for good. What an exciting prospect. And there's part of us that wants to be like, wow, is, it, is that possible? Is God really like some sort of master author who is who's writing the storylines of our lives together into some beautiful storyline, some greater narrative? Is that true? Is that possible? And my answer to the question is simply yes. Yes. With a little asterisk next to it. Now, what is an asterisk? An asterisk is, it denotes a footnote. A footnote is something to say, hey, that's true, but you also need to consider this. So what else do we need to consider? What do we need to note? What we need to note and what we need to recognize is the danger of wrongly defining good. Let me say that again. The danger is that we would wrongly define good. There is a song that was written a few years ago that was popular in Christian circles. And in the bridge of this song, it said, 
you make all things work together for my good. Now this song, I've got to assume, was written from this scripture, Romans 8, 28. And there's a right way of singing this song, and there's also a wrong way of singing this song. There's a right way of reading and believing this promise in Romans 8, 28, and there's a wrong way. You see, things go sour when we begin to believe, when we wade into the murky waters of believing that we have, we have a complete understanding of the good that God is up to in our lives. We may not say statements like this, or we may, but we'd certainly think things like this at times. When we think thoughts like, well, surely God wants me to be happy. Surely God knows that it would be good for me to have this job, right? I know that this sickness is not part of God's plan for my life. I believe that God doesn't want me to suffer, right? Surely God doesn't want me to lose this thing or this person. The heart of the issue that I'm trying to drive at here is this. Who is going to be the one responsible in our lives for defining good? Is it going to be you or is it going to be God? Who is the judge of what is good? Who is the definer of what is good and what is not good? In the first book of the Bible, the book of Genesis, there's a character at the end of the book of Genesis named Joseph. And Joseph's story is an interesting one. He's this young guy who's born into a big, big family. And his brothers uh, don't like him. And the reason they don't like him is because their dad has picked him out as a favorite. And in their jealousy, what they decide to do is to sell him into slavery. And so Joseph is, is bought by these slave traders and taken way away to the land of Egypt. And while he's in Egypt, things get worse. He's wrongly accused of something that he doesn't do. And he ends up going to prison. And, and if we're to pause Joseph's story right there, it's just kind of crazy to stop and think about his life. If we were to look at his story, by no means does his life look good or look like God's up to something good in his life. By all our ways of measuring it, it looks terrible. But that's not the end of the story. What happens next is intriguing. You see, Joseph is taken from this prison where he's been forgotten, left to rot. All of a sudden, he's taken from this humble prison and exalted to the second highest place in the land of Egypt, second in command to Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, the most powerful nation at that time. And there, Joseph helps save many, many people from a famine as God gives him wisdom and insight to know how to lead the people out of the famine or through the famine. And so it's interesting to read because what happens next is Joseph's family that are way away come looking for food and they are reunited and God restores the relationship. Now, if you read on, what you discover is that Joseph's brothers are scared. They're worried that Joseph is going to be upset with them, that he's going to want to retaliate. And so they come to him in fear in Genesis chapter 50. And it's really interesting because as we read Genesis 50, it kind of pulls back the, the curtain on Joseph's thinking about God and about life. And what it reveals is that Joseph trusts in God. He trusts God's defining of what is good. And he trusts that God is working all things together for good. Listen to what he says to his brothers in Genesis chapter 15, 50, sorry, verse 19. It says, but Joseph said to them, do not fear for I am I in the place of God. 
As for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good to bring about that to bring it about that many people should be kept alive as they are today. What a beautiful scripture. What Joseph is reminding us of and what Joseph understood is that God is the only one who understands all things and that in his divine wisdom, in his divine sovereignty, he works all things together for our good, even the extreme things in our life. Looking at Joseph's life, think about it. How would you feel if you were sold by your siblings into slavery? How would you feel if you were left to rot in prison for something that you didn't do? And yet Joseph sits there and says, no, God used all of it, including that stuff, to bring about good. Because God works all things together for good. There's an interesting form of martial arts in Japan. It's called jujitsu. And jiu-jitsu is, is an interesting form of martial arts because what it does is when an opponent attacks you, if you know jiu-jitsu, what you're meant to do is absorb that energy and channel it, direct it back to them. You use their energy to, to retaliate, to, to attack back. And I think jiu-jitsu provides for us a little bit of what God is able to do in our struggles. God is able to take the hard, negative, seemingly bad things in our lives and turn them for good. He's able to give us beauty for ashes, as it says in Isaiah chapter 61. And we're like, oh, that sounds really sweet. But what does that actually mean? Well, think about it. What is ash? Ash is even more worthless than dust. It doesn't even have weight to it. And yet God says, I'm able to take ash and bring beauty out of it. That's the type of God that we love, we believe in, and we serve. But I'm convinced that we're not convinced that this is true. We often doubt God's goodness. We doubt His ability to turn the mess in our lives for good. We doubt that God sees and understands the particulars of our situation. We doubt God's ability to do a good job of deciding what is good for us. And this shouldn't be the case. You see, God is is like this master designer working all things for good. And he has a portfolio. His portfolio is the Bible. And if you go to his portfolio in the Bible, you'll see story after story, life after life, where God worked for good. And I want to encourage you today that it's full of examples like Joseph's, but there is amongst all of those stories, a crowning work of God working all things together for good. And that's in his ultimate work, Jesus. You see, Jesus shows us the working of good in something that looked like a complete disaster. I'm going to assume that you understand at least a little bit about the first Easter. And that is that there was a man named Jesus who had many followers and he died on Friday afternoon around 2000 years ago. And from Friday afternoon through to Sunday morning, if you were one of Jesus' followers, things looked very bleak. Let's think about it for a moment. This Jesus, who was supposed to be the Messiah, was dead. He was put away in a tomb. No more Messiah, dead, gone. And his followers, these guys who had given up a lot to follow him, they'd given up relationships, jobs, wealth. They'd given up things to follow him, both men and women. All of a sudden, they're looking and they're like, he's gone. He's dead. 
This is over. We put our bets on the wrong guy. Meanwhile, the Romans, who these guys thought the Messiah was coming to overthrow, had been the ones who had killed this Messiah, this Jesus. It would seem an irony that the Romans, the very people they thought was, was Jesus had come to overthrow, were the ones who had killed him. But oh, how the tables turned. On Sunday morning, Jesus reappears and he is victorious. Not over the the Romans, over the greater enemy of all humanity, over all time. The Romans, they came and they went. The greatest enemy that humanity has ever faced is death. And Jesus had beaten death. God had used Jesus' pain and his suffering for our ultimate good. He had truly worked all things together for good. He had taken that pain, he had taken that suffering and used it for the good of all humanity, even at the cost of costing him the death of his precious son. And so I say all this to remind you that we have no reason to doubt. God is good. And God works and still works all things together for good. And I hope that you're saying amen right where you are right now. But there is an if to that statement. If what? Well, if you go back to Romans chapter 8, verse 28, it's very simple and very clear. It tells us that we can believe that all things work together for good in our lives if we love him. Look at what it says. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. So do you love him? Do you trust him? And do you trust in his ability to work good in your life? I want to say this gently but firmly, but you have no reason to doubt. Yes, you may have difficulties. You may have things in your life that you're like, I don't know how this can work for good. I don't see how God's working good in this situation. But you can still trust God. Tim Keller, in his really helpful and good book, Walking with God Through Pain and Suffering, says this, and I think it's put very well. Even though we cannot know all the particulars, the particular reasons for our crosses, as in the things we struggle with in our lives, we can look at the cross and know God is working all things out. God is working all things out. How good is that? And so I want to ask you one more time, do you believe that this is true? God promises in his word that all things work together for the good of those that love him. Do you love him? Do you trust his definition of good in your life? Let's believe it to be true.